Howdy, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Talos of Tech live on YouTube. Hope you're all having a fantastic Tuesday and got passed through these sale days. Oh my god, there's been so many. And they're all kind of redundant. They're all somewhat ridiculous. I mean, Black Friday's been around for a long time, which I've always memed on my channel of how, like, ironically planned it is that we have the biggest shopping day of the year right after Thanksgiving. A whole day for thankfulness and being grateful, followed by instant greed and wanting to get as much stuff as we can, get good deals on everything. Um, so I've always loved that uh, layout, that timing. Um, but then Cyber Monday was more of a recent generation thing where you were supposed to get sales and discounts on everything online. That's right. That's why it's all cyber-focused and we do it on a Monday because that's when more people are working or something like that. I don't know. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. But now we have Black Friday sales that primarily take place online. Um, and we have Cyber Monday sales that last whole weekends, and we have Apple doing sales that last days at a time. I'm just trying to basically say that I think this this mindset of sales needing to be like a, a one-day thing is kind of a dated concept, and it's not really necessary anymore, in my view. I mean, in my view, it benefits the brands much more than it benefits the consumer, especially in the age of online uh of online shopping you can kind of do sales whenever you want to and there's often sales throughout the year without any rhyme or reason oftentimes if a business will see any type of slump in sales or not enough people tuning into their website or their app or whatever then they'll just have a sale and they'll just say we're you know this weekend doing 20 percent, 30 percent off and whatnot um so the idea that there's going to be one day throughout the year where everybody competes with their sale if anything it, gives, it definitely gets a lot of eyes on the businesses and the brands, but from a consumer's perspective, there's not much of an advantage in my view. Um, not that I'm against sales. Obviously, it's a great thing if you can get something cheaper than retail and whatnot, but the fact that so many businesses and brands with websites now selling stuff online are probably well aware we're going to get a ton of people looking at our website and we don't even have to advertise this sale. We don't even have to bring anything up. We can basically just say you know, it's Black Friday, here's our discounts, but like like I've always talked about, you can kind of inflate your typical retail price, offer discounts that seem like they're one of a kind, and of course customers are more inclined to spend money when they know that they're going to get a, a discount or they're going to get a, a, a deal on something. If you can convince someone they're getting a deal, uh, then they'll buy it. It doesn't even have to really be as good a value, but in my view, it doesn't it shouldn't really matter as much as it used to just because there's so many sales these days anyway and there's so much discounts and there's so much promos going on constantly in the merch world and the tech world and the EV world. Like, maybe not the EV world, I shouldn't say, but the TV world is what I meant to say. Um, the one I've always encouraged people to check out is Certified Refurbished just because... Uh, that's something that's year-round. It's not like a temporary thing, and it's it's not based on impulse buying, which is, I think, what most Black Friday and Cyber Monday sale type things are going for. They're, they're trying to get you to spend money quickly because, hurry up now, it's only available uh, as far as you can see. Like Then it'll go back to the same price, and it will never go down again, right? <laughs> Where that's not the truth. Uh, that's not the truth. In reality, these types of discounts and these types of sales kind of take place throughout the year, so if... If you're in a position where you're not really finding much that's a good value to you or you don't really see much point in upgrading, don't feel like Black Friday or Cyber Monday or any of these holiday shopping deals are rare by any means. That's that's what I wish I could 
send that message out to more people. These are not rare occurrences. These are not rare sales. These types of things happen pretty much two to three times a month, every month throughout the year. Um, and companies will have sales to get you onto the website to make it feel like you're having a deal and therefore you're spending money on things you wouldn't have spent otherwise. So there's really only incentives for the business to, to kind of hype up these sales events and I just don't want a bunch of people out there thinking that they, they have to buy something. They have to get something. Um, I did not get much. Uh, we, we picked up some stuff, uh, just for like apply, uh, for like accessories around the house. Um, mostly cooking stuff for my wife, but yeah, like I didn't get any tech basically. Um, but thank you all for tuning in. Jeremy Wong says Cybertruck Monday. I wish we could get Cybertruck news every Monday. That would be great. Um, hi, Daniel. Philip says, would the upcoming OLED iPad Pro be better than the current mini LED iPad Pro? No. They're going to wait 18 months to make an iPad that's worse than the old iPad Pro. <laughs> no, I mean, of course it'll be better in some regard. Um, OLED has its fair share of advantages over mini LED, but as of right now, mini LED has its fair share of advantages over OLED. I think the the reason that we're hearing about Apple eventually working on an OLED version of the iPad Pro is because they have to wait until they can get OLED panels better than mini LED. And right now, for what we use our MacBook and iPad displays for, OLED would not be the better standard to use. Um, for those who don't know, OLED it uses thinner display panels. They're more power efficient than mini LED. Mini LED is a tiny bit thicker than OLED panels because it's still very much uh, close to how an LCD is designed. It's just instead of one big light panel on the back, you have a bunch of individual light panels, and that allows for a million to one contrast ratio. That's what you have on the mini LED iPad, the mini LED MacBooks, and the uh, Pro Display XDR, which is technically not mini LED, but it's basically mini LED. Um, those all have a million to one contrast ratio, whereas the Super Retina XDR we all get on our iPhones with OLED displays, those can get two million to one um, contrast ratio, which means basically those pixels can go all the way off. Mini LED gets pretty close to all the way off, but not quite. Um, and yes, I'm streaming to answer, uh, to answer Angel angels question yes i'm streaming from my macbook pro webcam although not the 14 inch i haven't actually checked out a 14 inch macbook pro i've only used the 16 inch but the reason i'm not interested in the 14 inch for my own personal needs is just because i've been doing everything off of this macbook pro since i got it and not using my imac pro for much anymore and i feel like this screen feels a little bit small because i'm used to a 27 inch screen for everything now i'm on a 16 inch screen and it feels a tad crammed so i know the 14 inch would feel even more crammed but i i would still recommend it to people i'm sure it's of tremendous value and if you don't care about having a big screen or you're going to use it docked a lot of the time then sure 14 inch would be great um let's see treyway do you be reading comments on here just asking no i don't read any of the messages how often do you think the 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pro will be refreshed? That's an interesting question. Um, the, mo the reason I say it's interesting is because before they made the switch to their own silicon, MacBook Pros were kind of hard to predict. I mean, the, the previous 16-inch MacBook Pro that was using Intel went two years without an update. Um, but then other MacBooks, sometimes 13-inch, sometimes 15-inch, 
they would get updated twice within a 12-month period because a new Intel CPU would come out or a new GPU option would come out. So Apple would do like a mid-year refresh or you'd get, I think it was just in 2019, yeah. Yeah, I remember there was like in May, there was a 15-inch MacBook Pro refresh and then in November, they dropped the 16-inch MacBook Pro. So it was like six months between those drops, mainly because Apple wanted to redesign a lot of the MacBook Pro and make the screen bigger and whatnot, but also because there were some new Intel CPUs that didn't quite align with what Apple refreshes their stuff with. So with Apple Silicon now, I have to imagine probably won't be every six months because now the, the redesigns and the spec boosts are more aligned with each other. So Apple's not going to release a M2 Max in six months. At least I don't think they will. That doesn't make sense. So I would say similar to... I'm going to guess it's going to be similar to the iPad Pros. Um, it's usually never every 12 months with iPad Pro. Um, it gets refreshed every... It, it fluctuates a bit, but every like 13 months... Or no, I don't think it's even done 13. There was one that came out in March of 2020 and then one that came out end of April. Yeah, I guess that's kind of 13. So somewhere between 13 and 18 months. I've never seen an iPad Pro go without a refresh for more than 18, but I've ever but I've also never seen it do it in less than 13. 13 months is the quickest turnaround I've ever seen for an iPad Pro refresh. So it could be like that where every 18 months they refresh the MacBook Pros. Um, but considering I'm willing to go out on a limb and say it might be even longer because of how advanced these chips are. You know, the iPad Pros um, were the best Apple Silicon available at, uh, at their time, but now we're getting into the Pro market of like M1 Pro, M1 Max, which is like two or $3,000 machines instead of $1,000 machines like the iPad Pros were. So because the, 16 in the previous 16-inch MacBook Pro went two years without an upgrade, I would not be shocked if it ends up being a biannual thing where they... Sorry, is biannual the word? I don't think so. That means twice a year. <laughs> what I mean is every other year. So we don't get any new MacBook Pros in 2022. I would not be surprised by that if they, they don't refresh the MacBook Pro line at all. Um, and then in 2023, that's when we get M2 Pro, M2 Max. It might come out at quadruple UDC, but it also might come out in October. It No one actually knows. Anyone who claims they know is an idiot. <laughs> or um, lying. Maybe there's a difference between those two, but don't don't believe anyone that says they know how often these things will be refreshed. But I mean, the the MacBook Air is like an everyday consumer type laptop. It's not a pro machine, and that's not getting upgraded annually like the iPhones are. We've we've now passed the one year mark since getting the M1 MacBook Air, um, and we're likely not going to get the M2 MacBook Air until at least spring, um, at the very very soonest a March event more than likely going to be more like a June event, like a quadruple UDC, they would announce the new airs. So how often do the pros get refreshed? I'm, I'm going to say somewhere between 18 months and two years. Um, uh, Carcia Node says, I'm still trying to find a good deal on a Series 6. I hate the starlight color on the 7. I would encourage you to check it out in person if you can. It's probably not as bad as you think. If you have and it's still bad, then all right. Black Friday is just the time where more businesses have sales at once. That's basically it. It is, but it's it's like not special to me at all. It's not rare at all. There's so many sales and discounts going on all the time. And it is bi-annually? Okay. Bi-weekly can mean either twice a year or every two years. 
Probably not bi-weekly. That's not what it meant. <laughs> hey, Peterman Valley. Chris Norton says, what are we talking about? I started by talking about how all these sales events were getting annoying to me because they make it sound like these sales don't uh, are very limited. And, you, and, you know, you got to get a, in on a product right now because you can get a good deal on it. When in reality, I think sales and deals are available on most websites several times a month. Um, and it's not that uh, rare a thing. Buy means every two. Semi means every half. Oh, okay. Semi-annually would be twice a year. So, yeah, buy, buy annually. How long does it take from when you say something until here, until I hear you say it? Uh, YouTube's been pretty good. I had it, but took it back. Oh, you had the Starlight Series 7. Okay, you really don't like Starlight. Jeez. Um, so you're willing to compromise on the display and the features just for the different color? Okay. Your call. Um, I'm actually surprised that the MacBook Air didn't get released as the usual dates as before. I'm glad I got the M1 MacBook Air just in case the next MacBook Air is more expensive. I, th I would say it's fairly likely the MacBook Air refresh might be pretty expensive. Um, just because it's a redesign and it's supposed to get mini LED and it'll have the M2 chip. So I could understand why they may struggle to get all of that at the same $1,000 starting price. You know, I wouldn't be shocked if they pulled another, like, 21.5-inch iMac being sold alongside the 24-inch iMac type deal where the new M2 MacBook Air starts at $1,200, but you can still get a base model binned M1 MacBook Air for $1,000. it will just hang on the site, or they'll discount it. Now you can get the M1 MacBook Air for $899, um, even if you're outside of education, that kind of thing. Um Lee Verino says, your thoughts on the rumored iMac Pro with dual Macs and, what, and would you get one? I haven't seen any leaker or any analyst claim that it's getting a dual uh, M1 Max chip. I've just seen people speculate, but not with much validity or, or much reason other than just it would it makes sense. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying I haven't seen anybody with concrete evidence as to why they think it will. Um as to why it will, I, I understand there's people that think it will just because in their mind it makes sense. But uh, I don't have a need for one personally um, just because I'm already, like tonight, I'm actually taking this laptop over to my friend's house so we can work on the Apple Watch Series 7 review. Um, so that that's one of many use cases where it's actually already proven to be very, very helpful that I can take my laptop with me obviously it's a laptop and still have all of this performance on the go. That's why I kind of went all in with this machine. Um, but as far as just having a desktop that stays at home all the time, I'm interested. Don't get me wrong. If, if I couldn't buy this MacBook um, and I had to buy something else, um, the iMac pro would probably be high on the list. The, the thing I'm probably salty about though, is just that the, the new iMac pro, whatever it's going to be called, I think it'll be called pro, but um it's just not going to be the dream iMac I was wanting, which will make me a little bit depressed because my, my dream goal for a desktop was to have one size bezel all the way around, no chin, no logos or anything. I just wanted a simple, clean setup, and when the 24-inch iMac came out, all of my dreams were shattered, and I was just like, well, okay, I guess that's not going to happen. And yes, it's likely that this upgraded iMac Pro won't have white bezels, just to match with the other pros in the lineup, but... It will fairly likely have a chin, and I already have an iMac Pro with black bezels and a chin, and, and the design, if it just happens to be space gray now with black bezels, but there's still a big chin on the bottom, I have a hard time getting excited for that. 
Um, it would be great if it looked like the Pro Display XDR, but it just had a computer built into it. I don't think that'll happen, but it would be cool. Um, but also, just my lifestyle has changed and our plans have changed to do more stuff on the go and to be able to work far away from home um, when we're visiting different places and spend more time away uh, from just home. So basically a desktop doesn't have a lot of sense right now, but I'm still interested because I, I mainly just want an external monitor that's 120 Hertz <laughs> and mini LED also not, not like a must have, but still cool. Basically I want a reasonably affordable monitor from Apple with 120 Hertz and the iMac Pro refresh might be the closest thing we get to that. So I'll definitely review it. Like I'll check it out and I'll, and I'll do my opinions on it, but I have very little use for one, um, in a practical sense. So I doubt I would buy it and keep it and just kind of, I don't know what I would use it for basically because, um, I've already spent an insane amount of money on my laptop and I'm using that every day. So that the idea that I can only use my laptop when I'm on the go and then I would use a desktop when I'm sitting at my desk. It's, it's kind of unnecessary. I'd rather just have one Mac that can do both. It's very easy to turn a laptop into a desktop. It's a lot harder to turn a desktop into a laptop. So I'm glad they started with the M1 Pro and M1 Max in these machines because, you know, I, I was in the market for a laptop and I basically would have bought anything as long as it was... Uh, faster than the M1 chip, and it was mobile. That was pretty much my only criteria. 120 hertz was not a deal breaker. The legacy ports were not a deal breaker for me. I just needed a powerful Mac I could take with me, and I was waiting for the refresh. Turned out to be great. You know, the super thin bezels, the I.O. upgrades are awesome. The battery life is great. The performance blew my expectations out of the water. So as cool as it would be if they do start making, like, dual M1 Max chip iMacs, um... Man, that's going to be a mouthful to describe. But even if they did that, the money I would have to spend on it to get it to be equal spec to this MacBook is just not going to make that much of a difference. Um, I, sh I shaved off a lot of on my export times by switching to the M1 Max and ditching the stupid Intel Xeon processors. <laughs> um, I save a lot on my export times, and I'm not going to be able to save that much more again. Because the export times are are now lower than the amount of time that have, they've been shaved off. So on like average, it depends on the video. But on average, I'm saving like 15 minutes per export. But most of my exports are under 15 minutes. So basically, in order to get another massive step change, another massive upgrade like I did for my iMac Pro to the M1 Max Mac... Um, the exports would have to be instant. And I don't think they're going to be instant anytime soon. Anytime soon, sorry. Do you still have your gaming monitor? No, I actually gave that to a friend a while back, um, so I don't have it anymore. What if it doesn't have a chin? What if it is your dream version? Then it'll be really, really cool. Um, but I, I'll probably still want something I can take with me. So, like, my, my dream has basically changed. I'm not, like, in dire need of a new Mac is the... Is the different situation now. I was willing to spend a lot of money on this MacBook because I was tired of using the iMac Pro. I was ready for something I could take with me. I was I was ready for something that was mobile. And then this came out and I went all out with it and I'm, and I'm loving it. It's great. The webcam's awesome. The microphones are awesome. Um, the, the speeds of the exports are awesome. 
So if they happen to also make a really, really cool dream desktop that's fast, that's great, but I, I don't need it. Um, I'm using my MacBook webcam. They should rename the Mac Mini to Mac. I get what you're trying to say, uh, Lucas, but it would probably just end up complicating things more because when you say, I bought a Mac, people are going to say, which one? And then you don't just say, Mac, I bought a Mac. You'll have to say, the regular one, the, the regular tower Mac, you know, the small Mac that's not the Mac Pro, the non-pro Mac. You have to get more specific when you name something really vaguely. So I get what you're going for, but yeah. Is your dream setup no longer an all-in-one like iMac? No, I think I describe. I think what I've discovered now is I have Mac flat faces looking for a satellite. Let me pause this. See if that helps. Uh, there we go. Um, basically, I like the idea of just having a, a clean setup. But now, because of my lifestyle changing, I want something I can take with me. And in a dream desktop iMac, I can't take with me. So, what I really want is a really clean, really minimal looking external monitor that I can plug my MacBook into. And then I have a big screen that I can use and edit on when I need to. But then when I want to take it with me, I can close up the MacBook and just head out. Um, so yeah, even if it's my dream iMac, it just doesn't really fit my, my new lifestyle. I honestly don't think most Cyber Monday deals are slightly overrated. If you check for deals throughout the year, you would find the same stuff for even less or the same. Yeah. Wait, are you saying... If you check for deals throughout the year, you would find the same stuff for even less or the same. I think you mean that they are overrated instead of saying... You don't think they're overrated. I'm trying to understand what you mean. <laughs> Um, what happened to the original MacBook? It looks smaller than the ones we have now, not the MacBook Air, the Pro, just the original version. Yeah, I think that was Apple's attempt at just making, like, the most minimal, basic, tiny laptop ever, and it just didn't sell very well, so they stopped doing it. I know everyone keeps asking for that, like, regular MacBook to come back, but they've tried it over and over again, and no matter if it's a non-pro, slightly thick MacBook, or whether it's an ultra-thin, super lightweight MacBook... Oh, thank you, Ben. <laughs> thank you for your continued support. Uh, what is the limit of a new monitor you will pay? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've already spent so much money as is on my current Mac. So <laughs> depends on how good it is. If it was like my perfect ideal monitor, I'd probably be willing to spend 2000 or I think 3000 is like my absolute maximum. Um, but that would have to be perfect, like 120 hertz for sure, or more, with XDR and some additional I.O. that comes with it. I would even, for that price, I would really want it to come with built-in speakers and a webcam and that kind of thing. But that probably won't happen. So if there's some compromises along the way, then I would want it to be more like 2000 or less. Obviously, the lower the better. Um... Let's see. Just bought an A7S3 and I can't wait until my lighting setup gets here to start making more videos. Congrats, Pat. I hope you like it. Um, let's see. I'll, I'm predicting the new uh, Mac Pro will go back to a smaller cube-like design. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. I'd probably agree with you. It's, it's rumored to be much smaller than the cheese grater Mac Pro. 
Zachary Allen says, I love the touch bar, so I'd have a hard time getting the 14-inch. I don't need the power, so I'm good with my 13. Well, hold on to it for as long as you can, because it might be the last MacBook with a touch bar. Um, Marngel says, I think the refresh cycle will be every two years. In one year, they refresh the Base M series, and in the next, they refresh the Pro Max. It's very possible. Um, they kind of do that with iPad Pros, but it's still not every two years. It's still every, like, 13 to 18 months. The Pro XDR display is not my dream monitor. I like the way it looks, but now that I have 120 hertz on my MacBook, I don't want to partner it with a monitor that's inferior, which right now the Pro Display XDR is a worse monitor in practically every way than the screen that's on my MacBook Pro, aside from the size. But... The Pro Display XDR is definitely due for a refresh. It's due for an upgrade now that Mini LED tech has been more mainstreamed. And we're probably going to see it debut in the new iMac next year. And it'll have Mini LED and 120 hertz and whatnot. But will they sell that in its separate standalone monitor? I don't know. I really hope so. But yeah, Pro Display does not fit what I want out of a screen. I'd rather just use the built-in one. Um, I don't have Netflix. Sorry, Flash. <laughs> Uh, does your Apple Watch have a purple tint when you turn it to the left side looking down onto the speakers? Okay, turn it on to the left side. Not really. I don't really notice one. Purple tint? Well, now I'm just going to imagine purple that's there if it's not. But no, I don't. I can't really say I see that. Also, I don't know why you would be looking at your watch screen that way. <laughs> um... Lucas says, I feel like all-in-ones and tower computers are kind of fading away. Like you said, you can now dock very powerful laptops, and if you really need the power, you're more likely to use a server. Yeah, I feel like that's been the trend for the past few decades. I mean, Apple's already put a huge emphasis on their laptops long before they do their desktops. I mean, the Intel transition is already done for the laptops. Seriously. A Apple's not selling any Intel MacBooks anymore. Um, all of the, the Airs and the Pros have now been switched to Apple Silicon, but the only things we're waiting on now are desktops. Um, they're still selling that one Intel Mac Mini. They're still selling uh, the 27-inch iMac, which has Intel, and the Mac Pro. So it is obviously their priority because they know laptops sell at higher volu volume, but honestly, yeah, understandably so. Um, laptops are just more versatile, and the the use case of just wanting a bigger screen is so much easier to just dock a, a laptop with a big monitor it's not that complicated there's some really good cheap monitors too frankly i bought a 12.9 inch ipad pro to replace my 10 and a half inch pro what a difference that's a good choice i guess <laughs> it's a big screen um but yeah i think my new dream Apple device, if someone's wondering, like, because I can already tell there's so many people that are like, what do you think of the new iMac Pro coming out? Are you going to get that? Are you going to get that? And I'm just like, I think my new dream Apple device that would convince me that I, I want to upgrade from my MacBook Pro would be a, a device that could combine the use cases of my iPad Pro and my MacBook. Because um, right now, I feel like I still need to use both, but my iPad Pro is over three years old and there's still really no point in upgrading it. Um, and currently, I, I don't really see a point in upgrading my MacBook Pro in the near future either. So the one use case I could see myself dropping a lot of money on is combining these two products so I don't have to pack two chargers, two 
um, devices or decide which one I want to take with me or have to put one aside and pull out the other for certain uses. You know, I, if I could just get, uh, like that video I did on my dream Apple device, a 16 inch iPad pro that can do everything my Mac can and everything in my iPad can and have the like most powerful Apple Silicon in it. Um, I'll compromise on IO. Like I, I don't need SD card slot and HDMI port. Like I, I'll, I'll settle for just Thunderbolt. Um, but I, I'd like center stage, I'd like face ID and I'd like Apple pencil support. And I'd like all that to be on one device instead of having to have to keep choosing between the two. And I actually think it would be much, much easier to turn an iPad into a Mac than it would be turn a Mac into an iPad. I know there were a lot of people disagreeing with me on that video saying like, why don't you just give the MacBook a touchscreen and then make some method of it detaching. But I don't think people realize like if you wanted to make the screen of a MacBook detachable, you have to put a lot more of the components behind the display and then you can't really put much battery or computing power into the keyboard and trackpad section because you're going to lose it when you go into tablet mode. So if you got to make the whole computer powerful and accessible all in tablet mode, you've already done that. You've already stuffed all of your electronics and all of your computers into this and to just treat the keyboard and trackpad as just a keyboard and trackpad and nothing else, we've already achieved that with the iPad Pro. Um, it's just a matter of taking advantage of the software and making it a little larger, which I don't think is technically that impressive or, or that complicated. Um, they got to add a touchscreen to the Mac. I don't want that folding garbage though. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's okay to have laptops that are just laptops. You know, most companies have given up on that idea and they need everything to be a two in one of some kind, but I'm not against the idea of Apple still selling laptops that, you know, just have an emphasis on a keyboard and mouse input and nothing else. These are still great. There's nothing wrong with them. And the, the touchscreen on a Mac is definitely going to cause a lot of fingerprints and you'd have to totally redesign the UI and everything. So I understand. I'm not saying that my dream device should get rid of all MacBooks. I'm just saying provide it as an option for people who are willing to pay for it. I'm not saying it should be cheap either. I'm I'm actually advocating for a more expensive version of what I've already bought. So I'm not I'm not trying to cheap out. Um, let's see. Indoctoral says, you probably answered Drew with HDR, but would you consider an older iMac with Luna Display dongle? Uh, answered Drew with HDR. Luna Display dongle. I don't know much about Luna Display ports, but I'm... I already have an iMac Pro and I'm not in love with the, the display layout. I mean, it would be physically larger, yes, but if, if all I cared about was getting a 60 hertz large 27-inch display, I would rather just buy a dedicated monitor for that. I don't really need to use the... My iMac Pro has a whole computer on the inside of it that my wife would actually like to use. Um, We might end up just moving it to the bedroom and having it as like a dedicated... TV that she can also do some of her work stuff and web browsing on. So it would, it's got a whole computer in it. Um, if I just need a monitor, I can get a basic monitor, but I don't want a basic monitor. I want something that can match the specs of my MacBook display. And unfortunately, there's nothing that matches that, <laughs> which is why I'm still using my MacBook display for everything. It's like no, nothing can, nothing can compete with it. Um, Let's see. I just hope they keep towers so PC building can still happen. I have a feeling uh, 
there's a market for that building. I have a feeling in the age of ARM architectures and silicon getting more and more unified, uh, there will be less modularity in the future. Well, I, I'm not saying it'll go away entirely. It'll just be like less and less uh, practical or, or there will be less and less functional advantages and it'll, it'll just become more of a hobby thing. It's easy to compare it to the car market, even though it's very different. But like there's there's a lot of people that, you know, work on, you know, go-karts and modifying, you know, the little cars that they, you know, our neighbors have them that they just drive around the, the you know, street locally. And they get to work on them and they get to build them so it's fun. But is that little go-kart better than, you know, your typical sedan that you drive to work? No. Um, it's just not practical to try to build all that from the ground up yourself. You can work on it, but um, especially with the transition to EVs, it's like, okay, there's just less things for you to really work on as a whole um, compared to a combustion engine. Um, so I think that like the, the people who want to build their own PCs and have more modular builds and whatnot, they'll still exist. They won't go away. It's just if you're willing to just put up with the, the integrated unified memory and the unified silicon that Apple's showing off with the ARM architecture, you'll probably get something that's way cheaper with way better battery life with way faster performance as Apple continues to scale their silicon. And as we've... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Already seen. You can, you can get really, really cheap devices with pretty dang powerful hardware in them. You know, like a like a three hundred dollar iPad now has pretty game changing specs in it, um, and that trend I think is just going to keep continuing. Of like, okay, it's not modular and it's not upgradable, but it's faster than anything you could build for that price. So, it kind of sucks for the for the modular market, but yeah, oh well. At the end of the day, I don't I don't think that the sake of being modular in itself is a feature. It's it's it. it being modular and upgradable, if it allows for something you couldn't achieve with a non-upgradable and modular thing, then it would make sense. But I don't think it will. Um, Marngel says, I found a limitation with my 2018 iPad Pro. For some reason, I can't upload a video longer than four minutes through YouTube Studio. I don't know if it's a problem with iPad Safari or if it's a RAM problem. That sounds more like more of a YouTube problem to me. Not really something to do with... 
I've actually had better luck uploading videos through the YouTube app than the YouTube Studio app. Um, what do you think of the MacBook Pro got Apple Pencil support where you just slap it on the right or left side under all those ports? Under? There's, man, there's really not a good way to do that. You know what's funny is there's already like magnets on my, the side of my MacBook. And I'm trying to see where you would put the pencil. And it kind of takes up a lot of space and it would probably fall off really easily. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think the pencil is really built the same way other styluses are where you could use it with like the MacBook, you know, trackpad thing here. And I can't really show it really well. But take my word for it. Um, I think the Apple Pencil is designed for touchscreens, not trackpads. Will the new iMac have Face ID? It would make a ton of sense for it too, but there's not really been much rumors or evidence that that's going to happen. So, sucks, but it really should, genuinely. Like, I, I don't know why they, they can't put Face ID on any of the new iMacs. I can somewhat understand it with the MacBooks because the display lids are really, really thin. They're very narrow, and I haven't seen Apple stuff the true depth camera system into a design that thin. So I don't know if that's the exact reason, you know, when they asked Apple engineers, like, why didn't you do face ID on the new Macs? They were like, well, touch ID makes more sense because it's already on the keyboard. But I think that they gave that answer just because they knew it sounded better than, well, we don't know how to fit the face ID sensors in the display lid. That's too thin. Um, but the new iMacs are plenty thick. They don't have batteries in them. They're like 11 millimeters thick, which is thicker than any device that currently has face ID. So there's, same thing with center stage. There's no reason for an iMac to not have center stage. I don't know why they don't do that. Um, so hopefully this new iMac Pro actually starts fixing some of those problems. But if it's made modular, it loses a lot of its advantages. The largest benefit to Apple Silicon is the unification of components. I think that I'm no engineer, but I do believe that helps a lot with the efficiency is just putting all of the stuff onto one chip and combining it. Um, to me, the biometric on a Mac doesn't matter too much because I unlock it with my watch anyway. So, Using the iMac Pro as a TV or basic computer for your is pretty overkill for a machine that costed $6,000 just four years ago. Well, I agree it's overkill. I agree that you don't need that, but we have it already. Like We've already spent the money. It's kind of in a weird place because we've been trying to sell it for a while. No one is that interested and my wife likes to have a desktop just for basic, you know, computing and, you know, watching TV shows and stuff on. Uh, so we already have one. Um, and I don't want to sell something I spent $6,000 on for $1,000. I'm sure someone would buy it for a grand, but that's really, really low. That's a lot of money. And then we've, we've lost all that money. We don't have anything left. So at this point, you know, I'd rather it get used for something within the house than just, uh, you know, sell it for a tiny fraction of what I paid for it. So, yes, it's very overkill, but I don't I don't know of a better use for it, frankly. I'm not interested in selling it for a tiny amount. Um, let's see. Redesign. Apple needs to redesign the Magic Mouse in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Oh, people, people have been saying they should redesign the Magic Mouse since the, the current design came out. <laughs> I remember how mad everyone was when the first Magic Mouse, even before the Lightning port, um, even even before the Magic Mouse Two was available, I remember people saying, "Oh, I hate this new Magic Mouse design." Here we are, all these years later, they've never done anything with it. I agree with you. I just, I, 
I feel like the boy who cried wolf with the magic mouse subject. Um, maybe a chicken egg thing. However, making a Mac app should happen. Wait, what are you guys talking about? It's better than it just sitting in a corner doing nothing. That's basically what it's doing right now. My, my iMac Pro has turned into my YouTube machine. It basically sits in the corner and plays YouTube videos while I'm working. Um, let's see. What's with the names? Oh, yeah, that's that's part of the test. Uh, the, it's a Talos of EV thing, but basically that's our, our big patrons behind me. I didn't intentionally put it there. I just leaned it against the futon, and that's that's where it stopped. I have to use virtual machine, I guess, with an M1. It's not that bad, I guess, but not the most convenient thing. Um, wait, what are you talking about? My Apple Watch Series 7 came in today. Cherry leather band and a steel and gold. Wow! Youngman, congratulations. That's awesome. Thomas Smith says, Crazy how far we have come that the $5,000 iMac Pro is best suited for web browsing and as a monitor. I mean, it's not that it doesn't work. It's just that I've bought something that's much better. You know, like, I could... I could, uh still edit videos off the iMac Pro or live stream off the iMac Pro if I wanted to. And my wife does occasionally want to do some more video stuff, so it can it can handle that fine. It'll handle the basics there. The other thing that my wife really likes about it is it's got two terabytes of storage. Um, so she likes storing more and more stuff locally. We're trying to get as much off the cloud as we, as we can. So having a nice big SSD with a screen attached, <laughs> you know, it's not completely useless. Um, if I wasn't in the market for a MacBook, I probably would have to keep using the iMac Pro. Thankfully, I was in the market for a MacBook, but, um, just curious to know if you use up all that RAM you have in the beast, in that beast of yours. I didn't opt for 64 gigs of RAM. That's the one thing I didn't max out. I wanted the M1 Max chip because it has the extra ProRes, uh, GPU decoder, which does make a difference. I've seen the, I've seen the export tests and I've seen comparisons, um, so I opted for the M1 Max, and there was no way to get less than 32 gigs of RAM with that chip. So I've used 32 gigs of RAM with my iMac Pro, and to answer your question, no. I, I've definitely not run out of RAM ever on my current MacBook. Um, it's always handled everything like a champ. Um, I've even been doing, for YouTube members, I've been doing live streams of my video uh, filming and editing process. So some of the members know from earlier in the day, I, I live stream myself filming the video and editing. So OBS is capturing my display. It's capturing sound from the onboard microphones and it's capturing my camera from obviously the notch. And I'm also editing color corrected 4k at 60 ProRes video. Meanwhile, I left DaVinci Resolve running in the background the entire time. Um, let's see if I can do this. I can actually show you guys. It looks like this, basically. Working on the next video. But, uh, like, I was able to cleanly and without any lag or any latency or any jitteriness or any choppiness and that kind of thing, I'm able to just edit my tech videos and they still export really, really quick as I'm capturing everything. Um, so that's, that's the most heavy multitasking use case I could think of. Um, the reason I bring that up is because my iMac pro could not even do that. Uh, I tried to do it before I was like, maybe I should live stream, you know, from the device, uh, my editing process. So I opened final cut and I opened OBS and I did the display capture thing. And when I tried to do that on the iMac pro, the editing timeline got really choppy. Like it wouldn't play back smooth. 
Um, it was laggy. There was latency with the time head and when you would press play. Um, so that there's a use case of something that literally was not possible. Wow. Thank you, Trash Teen. <laughs> Hope you've been doing well. Pretty good. Um, thank you, Trash. Feel bad to calling you that, but that's your name. So th there's a use case of something my MacBook could do that my iMac Pro literally just wasn't capable of. So I'm very, I'm very impressed by that. Um, but I've never once run into the like, you know, system memory low. I've never, I watched the activity monitor thing and it has not hit 30 gigs of RAM. It's usually when I'm doing something crazy, like live streaming and video editing and exporting all at once, that's when I'll see it typically around 20 gigs, 25 gigs used. It's pretty efficient. Um, since Apple's going into the fitness and health world, they should make sports equipment, give me an Apple basketball, make the thing look like a HomePod mini. That would be interesting. Yeah, there's not a lot of markets I don't want Apple to go in. It's just they, they're always so picky and so choosy with what they pursue. Um, Indoctoral says, my gaming PC has 32 gigs of RAM. The extra 16 gigs rarely gets touched, but I know other things are more RAM hungry. There are certainly applications, typically more like Adobe applications or any 3D modeling software that will store a lot of stuff in RAM as you're 3D modeling. So if you are doing that type of thing, the extra RAM makes sense. And I understand why people would want it, but uh, I'm not doing that. For the, for the video editing and live streaming workflow, it doesn't, it doesn't make a big difference. Um, even if uh, you were to hit the RAM cap, the Mac can still do SSD swap, and the swapping happens very quickly in Apple Silicon Maps. Max. Well, that's good. Um, it would kind of fit in with their Windows marketing, get it in on all computers. Oh, Microsoft's deal with Qualcomm has ended, which means they can license Windows 11 to Apple Silicon now. C they can, right? But will they? That's a different question. Do they even bother? Is it even worth it to them? How many people would actually do that? <laughs> that's that's a better question. You switched your workflow to DaVinci Resolve from Final Cut? No. Actually, my friend Ross is helping me because he wants to color correct and do a lot of the work um, that's right off his uh, RED camera. We've, we've filmed the Series 7 review on the RED Komodo. Um, so for those curious as to why I bought the 8 terabytes of storage, because I know everyone's like, what? Why would you spend that much money on storage? This uses a crap ton of space. This is plugged into my MacBook right now. And when you're recording at lossless, at high bitrate, high resolution, and all that color data is baked in there, it takes up a lot of dang space. And I've already used uh, well over a terabyte of storage just in the first month or so of owning this MacBook. So i got to go through and clean it out and find the stuff I don't need to store anymore. But... Um, I will say it has been incredibly nice and so refreshing to just not have to think about storage. Because I know I could get by with four terabytes. I mean, my iMac Pro was two terabytes. I was living with that. It wasn't like I literally couldn't produce content because I was out of storage. But the problem is you just have to constantly be cleaning. You're filming two to three videos a day and they're all at 4K at 60 or they're high resolution, high frame rate or whatever. And that takes up a lot of space. So you can get by with less storage than eight, of course. It's technically possible, but you just have to keep on you have to keep on cleaning all the time and just being like, hold on, let me delete this. Am I done with this? Do I want to hold on to this footage or keep this footage? There's certain B-roll that I want to hold on to, and there's certain B-roll I don't, so I can let go of this and let go of that. Um, so when you have just a giant 
SSD to work with, you don't have that thought process of like, oh, do, can I afford to throw this on my Mac? Can I do I have enough space for this project? Um, and that has just been really, really nice to not have to worry about it. So by all means, eight terabytes, yes, is is a lot and it is overkill. Um, but I still I still think I, I still don't regret it, basically. If I could do this all again, I would still buy the exact same trim. Other than maybe I would have gone with silver. But I like the look of Space Gray. Um, so, no, I didn't switch uh, to DaVinci Resolve. But uh, for the for the red stuff, it's easier to color code in, in DaVinci than it is Final Cut. But we don't we don't shoot in the red every day. I just seen setup is insane. I bet it is. If Apple and Elon were to collaborate on any project slash product, which of Elon's companies would you want to see get involved and what would you want to see come out of it? Ooh, Mike asking the tough questions. Any of his companies, man, what, what else could Elon and Apple partner with? Hmm. I guess I, I definitely wish there was more collaboration between Tesla's software and Apple's software. Like, I'm I'm pretty excited. We're getting into the EV weeds a little bit here, but I was really excited that just like Apple is leaving Intel, so is Tesla. <laughs> Tesla is moving their cars away from Intel processors to now AMD Ryzen chips, um, just because those are available and they are uh, cheaper and better performing. And there's already been side by side comparisons, and the AMD Ryzen user interface on the Tesla looks so much better. And that had me thinking like, yeah, I mean, I really want Tesla to kind of pull what Apple's doing and design their own chips, and their own hardware. Um, it'd be cool if there was some kind of collaboration there, I guess, where your iPhone and your Tesla could communicate more heavily. Right now, they don't communicate much at all other than the basic app. So, yeah. I don't know. That's probably the top of my list. Trash Teen, thank you for the super chat. Apple should definitely make a cheaper monitor, something that's like $500 or $1,000. That would be pretty cool. Your hair looks great, by the way. It doesn't, but thank you. Uh, yeah, that would never happen. I mean, even 10 years ago, Apple's monitor was 1000 bucks. so I highly doubt they would ever make a $500 monitor. Not that it, it's not possible to make a $500 monitor. It's just when Apple builds Mac accessories and Mac hardware, they have a certain standard they expect it to reach. And you couldn't reach Apple standards for 500 bucks, probably. They're still selling the LG Ultrafine monitors, and those aren't even under $1,000. They're like $1,300 and $1,800. So don't expect that to happen. But yes, it would be nice for them. I just want it to be cheaper than the Pro Display, which starts at $5,000 without a stand. Can we get it to like under three? I feel like I'm not asking for too much, but um, I guess one other potential project Apple and Elon could do together that might be interesting is if they found a way for iPhones to communicate with Starlink, um, just because I'm a big Starlink fan, and there was talk of iPhones having this emergency contact feature where if you're in a place without Wi-Fi or without cellular, you'd be able to contact someone via text of like, hey, I'm in trouble, find me here. Um, maybe you would need a specific modem and it would have to be outside to work, but there are satellite phones, uh, those already exist. And if you made some miniaturized tech that could do very, very small amounts of data through the Starlink network, that would be interesting. Um, the te Tesla is not making a phone. That's, <laughs> that's a complete BS rumor. There's been a lot of people that seem to believe that, but it's 
there's no weight to it at all. Um, and there's no validity to any of the reports. It doesn't align with Tesla's mission statement at all. And Elon himself has said on multiple occasions that he thinks phones are yesterday's tech and he wants to go straight to the Neuralink implant stuff where you're just thinking things. You don't have to communicate it through your thumbs. Um, would you switch to Starlink Cellular? Fundamentally, that's not going to work. Uh, I don't think... Did something fall? Oh, just an Ethernet cable. Uh, Starlink in, uh, signal is not going to work on, on cellular with a phone because you would need to be outside and you need a receiver of some kind to actually have decent data. What I was suggesting as an emergency contact was incredibly small amounts of data so you could have a miniaturized modem that could send, we're talking kilobits of, of, of data, not megabytes or gigabytes. Um, but if you want actually decent speed from a Starlink satellite, you need a fairly large receiver that you're not going to be able to shrink onto a phone, at least as far as I can tell, um, with how the wavelengths of the satellites work. So, I, you know, theoretically, if they found some way for your phone to just have cellular connection through Starlink, yeah, I think everybody would do that because you could literally have coverage anywhere on the planet. So I don't know who would be against that, but um, I don't think it'll happen. Alpha has been a member for five months now. Wow. He says, thanks for doing what you do here since iPhone 10. Wow. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, let's see. I can't even find the cinema display anymore. Yeah, they're kind of, well, they're not made anymore. So that would be it. You've already used up more SSD storage in one month than how much SSD space I use in 10 years. <laughs> well, we do very different things, Marnjell. That's probably why. Um, if Final Cut suddenly became a subscription service like Adobe, would you switch to DaVinci Resolve? The, there is a free version. Yeah, we have the free version. That's the version I just showed you guys is is not paid. Um, Ross still uses the free version, but yeah, that would definitely be my go-to just because I know it's free, and my my sister does freelance video editing, and she uses DaVinci Resolve and loves it, and my buddy Ross uses it and he likes it. So yeah i would definitely reconsider my editing workflow if apple decides that they want to chip into my bank account once a month for final cut because i don't like that business model and i don't want to have to spend more money just to keep using what i'm already using so i mean maybe i would consider it if it was affordable like if it's five bucks a month and I get something out of it that I wouldn't get otherwise, maybe I'd consider it, but I hope that doesn't happen because I really like Final Cut and I don't want to have to relearn a whole editing application. Yeah, I think the free version of Resolve maxes out at like 1080p exports. I can't remember. There might be some difference. Or it maxes out at 4K. Uh, I don't know much about it, but Blackmagic designed the software, so I'm using Blackmagic cameras as is. Where are they? Oh, yeah, behind me. Blackmagic camera, so why not use Blackmagic software? Um, but yeah, I think they, they limit how large the export can be. And then there's a paid version where you can get full-size exports or something. But still, substantially cheaper than Final Cut or Adobe, that's for sure. Um, at what point would you try Neuralink? Would you want to try a beta? I, I feel like that's going to be one of those things I'm like the old grandpa about, you know, <laughs> the, the old boomer mindset of like, I need technology to be away from me because I understand the the approach to Neuralink. Like, I'm glad it exists. Let me, let me preface that. I'm not trying to be pessimistic about Neuralink. I'm glad there are companies and, and engineers and, and uh, 
what's the term, neurologists. I'm proud that there's a lot of people in the medical industry trying to understand how the brain works and how to fix a lot of its problems. Because the brain has a lot of issues, especially there's a lot of neurological disorders and diseases. And that's the first and primary goal of Neuralink is to help fix a lot of these uh, brain uh, diseases that people suffer from, whether it's Alzheimer's or... Um, uh, oh, shoot, what's the... Uh, Parkinson's, yeah. The, the, like, there's all kinds of intricate brain disorders that people suffer, like millions of people suffer for, suffer from. And if there's tech that we can develop that can help alleviate that, because Alzheimer's is definitely one of the like most depressing and sad diseases I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's it's a sad thought to imagine you just grow old and start forgetting everything, even like your loved ones and people closest to you. Like, that's terrible. And if we can develop computers and technology that can actually prevent that and avoid that so you can continue living and continue remembering your loved ones and not like just losing everything, that would be great. Um, or I, or people that suffer from uh, Parkinson's, oh my God, those, those people would, oh, what they wouldn't give to, to stop suffering from those diseases. So yeah, I... I'm all in favor of that. It's the other side of the table that Elon says they eventually want to get to with Neuralink, which is like to, to start turning it into more of a feature type thing where your brain just gets better um, and your memory gets better and you can think about things quicker. I would definitely not try a beta. I don't think I'm comfortable enough in that regard. Um, but I would need to talk to my wife about it first. I think the big deciding factor for me is I want it to be easily disconnectable, um, which I think they had talked about at one point, but in their more recent prototypes, they weren't doing it as much. Basically, I think uh, I'm okay with the implant as long as there's a very easy way to disconnect the power source. So the concept they had... Uh, I didn't missed out on the AirPods Max sales. I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay four twenty for it new, even if that was the permanent price. I would. I would not pay four twenty for it. <laughs> I was trying to find AirPods Max for under four hundred dollars in good condition, and I was having an okay time. Um, but it's th they're still not great. I came close. I was like, ooh, someone was selling a pair of AirPods Max for three fifty, and I was like, mm, that's pretty good. But then I remembered I would have to charge it via Lightning. There's no other way to charge it, and I was like. I don't want to have another lightning cable just for my headphones all the time. It would be such a wonderful... Uh, so, no, I did not miss out on the AirPods Max sale. Anyway. Um, yeah, it will be such a wonderful medical advancement, but the consumer part will always be in there. I don't think always, but... The idea is you get, you get a surgery and it's taking up a portion of your skull and it can send electrical signals into your brain, but... It's all powered by this external battery that kind of magnetically latches onto somewhere behind the ear. So it's very hard to see and you wouldn't be able to easily notice that someone had it. You will, my, that's, that's why my requirement is that it would have to be disconnected because obviously your brain can't power the thing. Um, it's going to need energy from something. So if the battery inductively through either through pins, like the equivalent of a iPad smart connector powers the computer and you can utilize it for its intended purpose. You know, you can look things up mentally. You don't need to Google search something. You don't need to text people. You can just communicate. You know, your brain is now connected. 
and then when the battery is low, you just pull it off, and now the computer in your brain has no power. It does nothing. You go back to normal thinking, and you can put the battery on its charger and whatnot. No, Starlink was acting up. It's not you. Uh, as long as there's a way to disconnect from because there's a there should be, in my view, there should be an easy and simple way to turn it off. Um, and the easiest way to do that is to make the power disconnectable because it's, in my view, it's just not practical. Even if you wanted to embed the battery surgically into my skull, uh, it's, I'm not going to be able to charge that when I go to sleep. I move around too much in bed and I'm not going to plug, plug a wire into my brain at night. Like <laughs> that's not going to work. Sometime this thing has to charge. It's not, it's not trying to cheat physics. It's not trying to have this infinite battery life or anything like that. Um, I like... I like to, I like to disconnect from tech too, but uh, I've actually did a. I thought it was a pretty interesting video on this a while back, but um, I actually think people are are imagining Neuralink incorrectly. Uh, there's too many people that are like, "What about this? Or what if it goes wrong? Or what if something goes bad with it?" I'm saying it's more terrifying to imagine if nothing goes wrong. <laughs> Just open the horizon a little bit. What if what if it goes right? What if it doesn't go wrong and it doesn't go haywire? Um, it's actually more terrifying. It, like if if this thing goes wrong or it starts acting incorrectly or it starts, you know, over marketing to people or, um, like it's not going to sneak up on you. You know, surgery is not something easily mainstreamable like an Apple Watch or AirPods or even a Tesla. That do something surgically. There's a lot of regulatory testing. There's a lot of government mandates, and there's going to be a lot of public backlashes. Even as I talk about it, there's a bunch of people already that are like, "No, no, no, no! I, I would never do it." So that's not something that's just going to jump up and and suddenly be in everyone's head. So I don't think people should worry about that. Um, and if it does start doing something incorrectly, you can imagine there's going to be massive uh, public uh, backlash about it. There's going to be lots of uh, legal hold up preventing it from rolling out um if it works yeah like zachary is saying if it works perfectly we are screwed because what could very quickly start happening at least if you've if you've listened to elon talk about Neuralink quite a bit which for the record i don't think we're we're years away from i think we're decades away from um to the point of it being like a like it's something consumers would buy and you'd be using it as as a extension of the brain, not not trying to cure a mental disease. Really, thirty or forty years out, but it's something we should definitely talk about because there would be a crap ton of lawsuits. <laughs> um, there would be, but the the way Elon's talked about it is that instead of looking things up, instead of having to think of a question, Google the question, look for the answer of the question, and backtrack the source of the answer. All of that could be done in your head the same way you know certain things. Like the, the way you know what your friend looks like or the way you know what Drew looks like. It, you just It's not a picture. I don't think many of you have a picture of me hanging up on your wall. You don't have to reference that to know what I look like. You can just think in your head, even if you're not watching YouTube, even if you're driving a car or you're at school and you think, Talos of Tech... You think of my face. It's in your memory. Imagine if all of the knowledge and all of the facts we have on the internet were in your memory in that way. You don't have to look it up. You just know it. So if that starts becoming the case, um, younger generations that have not been born yet, definitely uh, all of us are going to be considered middle-aged to elderly by the time this starts becoming 
mainstreamable. Um, that's going to be more applicable to them because if it's right now, I don't think people understand some of the advantages is the problem. People are just like, Whoa, no, I'm not doing that because all you can imagine is what your current phone already does. You're like, well, I just put an implant in my head so that I don't have to put headphones in and I just play music in my brain. No, I I'll just buy AirPods. No big deal. I don't want to get surgery, but, um, education, like what Zachary is saying, education could change drastically if it becomes a, a difference of, well, you could go to this college or university for five to six years, or you could get a Neuralink and you'll already know all this stuff. Therefore, people with Neuralinks will be able to bypass all kinds of financial burdens and time burdens that are going to take people who aren't willing to get Neuralinks way, way longer to learn this stuff. You can become an instant expert on crazy amounts of subjects if you were capable of having access to all of this knowledge and education just in your mental space. And basically what Neuralink is about is about trying to increase the bandwidth between us and computers, which right now is limited by a touchscreen or limited by our thumbs. In, in his view, we're already cyborgs. Like the, the amount a human is capable of or the amount a human knows is substantially higher when you when they have a phone. And a lot of us have phones on us all the time. We're borderline wearing them already. They're in our pockets. They're on our wrists. Essentially, in a way, you're already a cyborg. <laughs> so if you get to the point where uh, these chips allow people to accelerate development or, or get jobs that other people can't, then all the people who decide not to get Neuralinks are going to be more second-class citizens that don't have... Uh, access to the same opportunities or jobs of people who do get the Neuralinks. So it'll start to become a normal thing that it's like, well, everyone in my city does it. It's proven to be safe. It's proven to be reliable and it works. Now you are outdated. <laughs> if you're just trying to do everything on your, on your mental side with just your normal brain without a computer attached to you, you're not going to be nearly as capable or nearly as smart as anybody who is got a chip in their brain. Um, that's what happens if it goes right, which I, which I find more terrifying. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Um, if it goes wrong, that's honestly probably a good thing. If it goes wrong, that means that government steps in and everyone gets even more scared than they already are of, of, of computer implants. Um, and then no one does it. You know, if there's a big bad story about how terrible it was, then no one's going to do it. And then you don't really have to worry about it changing anything. So... It's not not a big not a big game changer in my view if it comes out and does something wrong. It's like okay, don't do it then. No one's gonna want to do it anymore. But if it goes right and everything goes as planned and it gets implemented correctly, that's when it actually changes everything. Um, that's that's what's gonna rock our economy, rock our jobs, rock our livelihoods because people will be able to think and process and engineer and come up with new ideas or solve problems faster than everybody else. If it actually enhances the human cognitive ability, 
everybody who doesn't have one will suddenly become screwed very quickly. <laughs> so that's what I'm more... <laughs> if everything goes right, we'll be screwed. <laughs> Which is kind of a weird concept, I know, but... Um, that's why I would say if, if there is regulation to be done on this, which I'm sure hasn't happened yet. Um, and if, well, that's the other thing we should draw the line to designate where tech is too powerful. If our government doesn't allow it, another one probably will. That's probably going to be Elon's answer to the question. He's like, okay, you can say this is too dangerous. Therefore we shouldn't do it. But is that going to stop China from doing it? Is that going to stop North Korea from doing it? Is that going to stop every other country from implementing this tech? Yeah, I don't think so. So they would rather say, let's let's do it right than not do it at all and let someone else get ahead of us. Um, isn't there like several movies on this? I thought I remembered one with genetics and choosing your DNA of your kids. <laughs> That's a different subject, but um, yeah, there's been lots of movies on the subject. More likely a keyboard for the brain. People with mobility challenges would think something and a signal would transmit to a computer which could output the res response via a display or audio device yeah that tech already exists to a certain extent they already have computers that kind of do basic keyboards and stuff like that i'm talking about what the long-term goal of Neuralink is which is to merge you know the human brain with ai and that kind of stuff um, i'm talking about decades from now the using the mental signals to use a keyboard that's that's been done. Um, that's like today's tech. You could also fill your brain with fake news and conspiracy theories. It's true, but I think it's it's resources that already exists. People already do that. <laughs> Whether or not they access it from their phone with their thumbs or within their brain doesn't really make that big a difference in the end. It's just a matter of efficiency. Climate being able to just infuse false knowledge into your brain. Again, we're already there. <laughs> that, that happens now. You don't have to imagine that. It's just a matter of, I read about this on Facebook, or I found it in my memory, but you would know exactly what the source is. It's not like you would access that and, and consider it factual, unless you look at that news on your phone or look at it through some Facebook article and consider it factual too. Um, those, earworms were, those earworms will be always stuck in your head. Well, that's why I've just said, if, if there was a regulation about it, I would say making sure you can always turn it off at a moment's notice would be the, the biggest thing. But what probably scares me the most is changing um, opinion or personality. Right now, when asked about Neuralink, Elon Musk doesn't talk much about what it can't do. He only really talks about what it can or what it one day will be capable of and all the, all the dreams and crazy ideas he has for it. If they start saying like it'll possibly change your opinion on something. Like if there's a signal that I, using as a, a light example, if my favorite color is red and then I put it in Neuralink and it changes me into preferring the color blue is my favorite, that would probably scare me away from ever trying it. And I hope that I've saved up enough money and retired to the point that I can live never having to work again <laughs> without a neural, excuse me, without a neural link. Um, to me, what would make the bigger impact is new generations that are like trying to find jobs and trying to find work. And all the people that have neural links are getting the jobs and are, and are advancing further because they can learn things faster and they can solve problems quicker versus all the people that don't have neural links. They can't do as much. Um, 
that's where more of my concern lies. If by the time this is all coming out, I'm old and retired, then that's fine. I, I can just get away with not installing one. <laughs> I'm not saying I guaranteed will get one. I just there's a lot of fine print attached and a lot of questions I don't have answers to, so I can't give a complete yes or no. Um, but a, a way to easily turn it off would definitely be high on my list. If there's no way to turn it off and it's just on at all times, I probably will never do it. Um, if I have a Neuralink, does that mean I'll start failing those are you a robot things? <laughs> yeah, that's what that means. <laughs> um, do our phones already do that? Well, there's already lots of false information and like crazy conspiracy theories that people consider as fact because they found them online, right? And they didn't do their research about it. So whether or not they know about those events or they know about those stories through their brain or they found it on a phone, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day where they, how they found it. The, the fact is it happens now. Um, and hopefully there's ways of verifiably, you know, if you have access to all internet sources, hopefully finding the truth is a bit more easy. Um, cause you could backtrack the, the sources for a lot of fake news a lot faster than you could on a phone. Um, I can't really think of an argument right now, but scatterbrain. <laughs> Changing our personality will just happen faster. Oh yeah, do the phones change our personality? Uh, I think they can present information. And as long as the Neuralink is just presenting information to you, like there can be logistical things that can change my opinion on something. But if, if it just changes a core opinion that isn't based on logic it's just based on opinion you know there, there's certain preferences we have that aren't based on logic like a good example for me is like i prefer apple i'm biased towards apple because i like the apple ecosystem i like my macbook pro and i like iMessage and i like um the simple integration of one password and one email that covers all of my devices and the apple card um i like that simplicity so i have a logistic argument for, for advocating for Apple. Um, whereas I don't really have a logistical argument for advocating for my favorite food. You know, like I'm a big fan of burgers and fries. That's like my, my favorite dinner is like a nice juicy burger and some nice salty French fries. Logically, it's not really that healthy for me. There's a lot of fat in there. There's a lot of grease. There's a lot of starch and it just it's logistically... I don't have a reason for liking it. It's just that's my personal taste. And I guess what would scare me away from a Neuralink is if it was capable of changing my personal taste, not so much my logistical argument as to why I like a certain product, you know. It'd be one thing if I got a Neuralink and because I had access to all the information on the internet in my head, I did some research and I discovered, actually, this DaVinci Resolve program can edit my videos faster because I saw this piece of data and I saw this information that shows me why DaVinci Resolve can be faster. Therefore, I'm going to now switch to DaVinci Resolve over Final Cut because my Neuralink presented the information that was necessary to change my mind. That doesn't bother me as much. That's just like, okay, I found the facts, I found the logic, and that has now convinced me of a certain, uh, of a certain choice that made the most sense. But it was backed up by logic. If it was like... The color thing is the most basic form of it, which is why I use it as an example a lot. My favorite color currently is red. And if the Neuralink implant was capable of getting into my brain and changing my personal taste to blue, 
that is where it's like deterring from my original personality and that's when i become more ai than human i think we're all a little bit computer based to a certain extent with our watches and phones and everything we wear on us it's just a very limited form of cyborg but if we start getting to the point where it's changing my 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 tastes not so much logistical backup that's that that would probably scare me away um apple ecosystem will be the advantage to get apple car i don't i don't think there's much of an ecosystem advantage with the car to be honest everything you would you would get as an advantage to the ecosystem you can get with any car that already has carplay past 12 years of schooling that's another complicated question of like well i don't know how good this chip is and i don't know how capable the chip is and i don't know how quickly regulators will be comfortable with but yeah um starlink is acting up sorry for the lag <laughs> ryan says changing your favorite color to blue is an objective improvement <laughs> see ryan is already turning into the neuralink in my head uh, what if it just only showed you results that just uh, assimilated you to like blue more? Would you say that's the same? Uh, no, I don't know how, what results it could show me that would make me like blue more. Um, by the time people realize the falseness, time has passed so much the damage is already done. EU will never allow that. Yeah, the EU will definitely never allow that. Um... Maybe if your whole community would not agree with you over time, maybe you would be the Samsung sheep. Hmm. If they presented arguments that changed my mind, but I, I think I've time and time again proven I'm willing to have an opinion that most people don't agree with. Um, that still happens pretty regularly. Most people like the 24-inch iMac design, but I did not, and I was comfortable making a video saying, no, I don't like this, and even as time went on, I, I still don't like it. doesn't matter if everyone else disagrees. Um, not just CarPlay, but also Apple Silicon. Okay, what does it what does it do? You're driving. How other Apple devices working well together? Yeah, you got to get specific. Easiness of communications of map sharing shop. You can already do that. You can share a map route that's on Apple Maps on your phone to the car in CarPlay, and the route's already there. So, what shopping? What, how is that integration with the car? You like get a list that I'm going to buy the Apple car over another car because it has my notes app built into the screen. Therefore, I can see what I'm going to buy at the grocery store, even though the car stays in the parking lot. I don't, I don't buy it. I've thought about this a lot. Trust me. And I genuinely do not see exactly how. An Apple car would be more integrated in the ecosystem than any other CarPlay. Um, luckily, my favorite color is already blue. <laughs> okay, good. So Neuralink won't change you. Um, let's see. Hi, Kyle. How's it going? It's going well for me. Pretty well. Um, but yeah, there's there's technically the possibility that schools would become obsolete if you could just kind of share all of the knowledge and research ever conducted by humanity within all of our brains instantly that's theoretically what's possible with this tech so i don't know skylar says finally solved my eSIM issues and got my number ported thanks for introducing me to the min family hey you're welcome glad you like it yeah it's working it's working for me pretty well so i'm glad you still enjoy it this Neuralink convo is trippy yeah it's an interesting one uh i like talking about it because i 
feel like most people don't get it um, and don't understand how it's it's more scary if it works, which I, I think is always backwards. Everyone has the Hollywood logic of, you know, oh, everybody gets an implant and then we're all zombies and it goes wrong. I'm like, yeah, I, I doubt that'll happen. But um, the likelihood of it working out and how that would change everything is more scary to me. Um, let's see. Le logistical statements. Sustainable transportation is part of the crucial path in saving the earth. Non-logistical statement. Cybertruck whistle is best whistle ever made. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what sales are good right now? I see the name of the stream. There's too many sales. That's what the stream was about. There's too many uh, of bent dates that try to make it seem like there's there's a never before in sale ever seen before. And the truth is there's sales all the time. There's deals all the time. Um, I want Mint Mobile, but there aren't any T-Mobile towers where I live. If there's Verizon, try Visible. I think the education piece would almost make us a new kind of being, like the leap is so big in thinking power. Yeah. Theoretically, if, if the tech works and you're able to access all of that knowledge mentally and you don't need to look it all up or learn it, you just know it, that could... That could change who we are as a species very, very quickly, which is kind of mind-blowing. Um, I think we're easily decades away from that. That's something I think we'll see in my lifetime, but I won't catch most of it. <laughs> I, think, I think I'll think i be an old geezer by the time that happens, for the record. I'm not, I'm not saying Neuralink's going to take over the world and, and make all of us outdated by the end of this decade. I, I think that's something we'll see when I'm in my 50s and 60s. And I'll, maybe I'll still be doing YouTube and I'll be one of those old guys that are like, I don't trust all these Neuralink implants. I'm not going to fall for it. And all these younger kids and younger groups that haven't been born yet, that are going to be born in the 2030s and 40s. All of those kids, you know, they're, they're not afraid of it. Just like you guys aren't afraid of buying smart speakers, even though your previous generations probably are more skeptical of buying a microphone with internet access and plugging it into the wall all day. That doesn't bother us. You know, every generation cares less and less about security and privacy and just cares more about capability in the future. So if they grow up in a world where that's normal to have implants and they grow up in a world where everybody's doing it, they're not going to think it's a bad thing. They're not going to have a negative attitude uh, towards it like we do because we're, we're, we're the, the future old people. Um, and I'm just going to be in that group of like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to use my old fashioned brain. But all those kids are just going to be solving all kinds of crazy problems and advancing technology faster than ever before that I'll probably benefit from. But I won't get an implant myself because I'm going to have my rules about I need it to be power offable. You know, <laughs> I want to be able to disconnect it at any moment. And they'll be like, no. For best efficiency of the tech, we need it to go completely in the brain and you can't turn it off at any time. And I'll be like, nah. Um, 100 years, it could be standard like phones, kind of like a new internet age. I genuinely think that's kind of that's kind of likely. In about 100 years, people are wondering, like, what's going to replace the smartphone? I don't think it's foldables. I don't think it's glasses. It's probably something that goes in your head. But it's going to take a long time. Um, old Telosa fans, let's all band together in 2060 and fight this. <laughs> It'll be pointless. Just like um, 
old people now trying to fight, you know, social media or smartwatches or, you know, 5G. They're going to be like, no, I don't trust it. And we're all like, yeah, yeah, it's fine, whatever. <laughs> we're just going to be so ticked off by the way Hollywood portrays it that we're not willing to adopt to the standard, even if it's proven to be effective and safe and it works. Um, why grandparents have an Alexa, my grandparents have an Alexa and love it. Yeah, some do. Others are more creeped up by it. And there will be some grandparents that get the Neuralink. There will probably be some of you that are alive right now that end up getting the Neuralink because you trust it and you're like, well, uh, other all the kids seem to be doing it, so I'll do it. You know, there are some grandparents on TikTok. That doesn't mean they all do it, but maybe there is a bird on the Starlink. Would you digitize your consciousness if you had the choice? I think I would. Some people think that's weird, but I kind of like that idea of like, I try to think about it as, uh, from the context of future generations, you know, like imagine if the tech existed a long, long time ago. And here I am in 2021. I never met my grandfather on my dad's side. He died before I was born. Um, but if he had decided to digitize his consciousness, theoretically, and I could ask him about his life and, and the, the AI did a decent job emulating his personality and his memories and that kind of stuff. Would I like to have a digital conversation knowing it's not real, knowing, knowing it's not actually him, but it's a, it's a, a digital footprint. It's a digital representation of him. Would I want to have a conversation with him? I think I would. So I apply that to the future and think, okay, I might have grandchildren or great grandchildren or great, 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 great grandchildren that say, I want to talk to Drew from the early 2000s and I, I want to see what his personality was like. I want to see what his opinions are like. And I want to, and I want to experience his consciousness in a digital sense. Would I want my future great, great, great grandchildren to have that opportunity yeah, I think I would. I think it would be kind of interesting. And I'm dead anyway. So <laughs> who cares? Who cares what happens after I'm gone? I'm not going to be there for it. So um, it, if you could talk, I just think it'd be kind of cool. It, I don't I don't see it as that different of uh, actors portraying old figures from history. You know, like uh, what's his name? Daniel Day-Lewis did a great job impersonating uh, Abe Lincoln. And there's all kinds of singers that impersonate old dead celebrities. Like there's Elvis impersonators that go and do songs and and pretend to be that are portrayed by actors, whether it be through stage plays or by movies or TV shows. You know that's not the real thing, but it just gives you more visuals and it gives you more um, of a character to associate with that. And if there was a digital way of preserving someone's consciousness and you could continue interacting with them in the future... I think that'd be kind of neat. It'd be kind of cool in my opinion. So I'd probably do it. But uh, I'll also I'll also live as long as I can. <laughs> just to, you know, see the future and see what happens. Because I'm interested in what the future holds. So, yeah, Starlink had its first stroke in a while. It usually hasn't gone that gotten that bad. But anyway, it's a deep subject. It's very interesting to me. But thank you for asking the good questions. Um, I know lots of people that would get a Neuralink, actually. Ryan's just one of them. There's a lot of people that are like, yeah, I'd do it. I'd be up for it. 
Um, but yeah, we, we covered a wide range of subjects today and, uh, I got to get going, but I appreciate all of the, uh, super chats and our members, and I hope you all have an excellent rest of your day. Take care all. Bye-bye.